Budget nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. And that's, that's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me is always the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. The thing I like most about that introduction, Mo, is that it sounded like you were irritated at people for listening to the podcast. <clears throat> I am. <laughs> <laughs> You're upset at the fact that people have taken who knows how many hours out of their time. Right. To listen to us, why would they do that? No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I uh, no, I, I don't. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just maybe I'm off a little today. Mo's off a little, so we're gonna have to pump him up, full of uh, well, drugs maybe, but possibly Sweet. just energy. We need to bring a little energy to the table because uh, I'm okay with the drugs. The, the subject of today's episode uh, might require us to inject a little energy. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> in order to make it uh, listenable. Let's say. Palatable. Palatable. Palatable for the hundreds and hundreds of listeners out there. <laughs> uh, the dozens and dozens of listeners. At any particular time. That's absolutely right. Now, this week's episode is going to feature 1986's The Abomination, directed by Brett McCormick. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's a fairly notable low-budget film from that time period. And I mean, this is a super low-budget movie, uh, except for some fairly impressive special effects. Mm. It appears to have been made, I mean, shot on 16mm without sound uh, <laughs> and with just a group of, of, I guess, friends, almost entirely people who had no acting experience and went on to do nothing else afterwards. It's, uh, it would almost be impressive if it wasn't so god-awful. <laughs> if it wasn't so long. <laughs> well, it's not and that long. It's an hour and a half. That's kind of long for one of these movies. You Especially know, since this movie could have been 70 minutes. Easily. Uh, this movie is 70 minutes, Mo. Is it? <laughs> no, no. It's it's 70 minutes in the sense that there's 70 oh. minutes worth of footage, <laughs> and then everything else is shit that's It just repeated. repeats. <laughs> I, I made a little joke to Mo earlier today on, on Facebook, because Brett McCormick... Uh, has actually had a fairly impressive career afterwards, in the sense that he's had a career, which, considering this was his first movie, or one of his first... That is impressive. Yeah, I mean, that that's fairly uh, that's fairly impressive. But he went on to make, you know, actual... <laughs> I say actual movies, but low-budget movies in the realm of your, maybe a notch below your Jim Wynorski and Fred Olin Ray type level of movies. Right. Uh, and uh, his film Replicator, which I uh, <laughs> which I uh, reviewed over at No Budget Nightmares on the uh, Daily Grindhouse site a while back, the thing that movie has in common with this is that it also reuses an entire sequence from the beginning <laughs> of the movie later in the movie to stretch out the running time. Which, in terms of like 
like like moves that you keep in your back pocket as a director is one of the le- least pleasant. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I do not like that. And I mean, it's okay if it's something like interesting, and it's like you know what, I wouldn't mind seeing like someone's head explode if, uh, if... or if it's done for like comedic effect. I'm okay. Sure. With it. Yeah. Right. And and of course, that's probably how they justify it. Oh, hilarious! Oh, it's meant to be funny. Ha ha ha! A whole four minute sequence, and how funny that the movie ends up being just ninety minutes exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we had a little bit of a uh, conversation uh, between Michael Fitzgerald, the director of. Uh, <laughs> Victor Juliet's director's cut, uh, our previous film, uh, about the idea of what you and I, what would we consider a feature-length film? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, is is there actually like a standardized number for that? Because, I mean, for me, it's always just been like 70 minutes, or I generally use 75 minutes. But I mean, like, I've never, that's not based on anything. That's just based on like personal preference. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to call I don't want to call a film feature length unless it's, you know, I mean, 75 minutes seems about right. Now, in the case of my film, uh, It Shook the World. Now, that, on the other hand, I will gladly call feature length, <laughs> even though it's only like 49 minutes long. <laughs> I believe that uh, one of the things that Michael was saying was that uh, the Academy for the uh, Academy <laughs> Awards, they consider films, I think, over 45 minutes to be feature length. Now, the, the, the number we usually mention on the show is 90 minutes, but that has less to do with the idea of what we personally consider feature length and more that, you know, in, in drive-in days, in the uh, mid-70s exploitation days, you really couldn't get played nationally unless your film reached a certain length because it had to fit into those categories of time. You know, they had to play a certain number of times per day, and 90 minutes is that time that most people would consider a feature at that time. Uh, and And the thing is, that's... When we talk about something like The Abomination just reaching 90 minutes, you can tell that they are making an effort to reach that point exactly. And you, They we, are making a serious, concerted effort. Right, and that's that's really what we refer to. That's the magic number that uh, you will see people beg, borrow, and steal to reach. And even, up to, even today, even with no-budget movies made today, you see people just barely trying to get to that 90-minute mark uh, and, uh, and sometimes failing spectacularly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mo uh, hasn't mentioned it because he's being very nice, but I was the one who chose The Abomination for us to watch, mostly because it is a film that I hadn't seen before. Uh, it's one of those ones that are kind of, you hear about it all the time. Uh, it was one of those kind of VHS staples. I remember seeing right. the, uh, the box art uh, in all sorts of video stores when I was growing up. Uh, and, and it really is kind of representative of that sort of second level of ultra low budget movies of the 80s you had your uh VHS you know shot on VHS or or um or 8 mm films but this is this is a 16 mm film that is just you can tell all the money went to the actual film itself as opposed to anything that goes on the screen outside right. of maybe some of the uh the effects right which i mean we'll get into we'll get into all of that <laughs> yeah and this and this is this isn't a film i had ever seen either so this was a first first time viewing for me Although I have to admit that I was pleasantly surprised at how fast I was able to get through this film. Right. You know? I mean, now granted, watching two-thirds of it on one-and-a-half times speed helped. <laughs> now but... we're pu- you're pulling back the curtain a little bit there, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I don't mind. Speaking of moves that we keep in our back pocket. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> 
Um, well, I mean, but generally I can't do that. Like generally if a film ha- is, has too much dialogue, like you can't, absolutely, you because... can't do it. You have to slow it back down again to the normal speed in order to do that. It's really, you can only really pull that off on like action sequences generally, right? or like gore sequences, like something, you know, is going to take 20 minutes and nobody's going to be talking, you know, but in this entire film, uh, just seemed like it was filmed to be shown in 1.5 speed. <laughs> Particularly because of what is really the most interesting part of the abomination, which is the sound. Right. Now, we've run into... I mean, if if anything, half of the movies we cover on this podcast have some sort of major sound issue. Always. But the sound in The Abomination is a little bit different in the sense that uh, it obviously was not recorded at the same time. Uh, that no, they it's, 100%, it's 100% ADR and 100% Foley work. Yeah, but the Foley work is what's really interesting because... It's so weird. It's re- like footsteps... The footfalls are, is my favorite. Yeah, or, or like people like rustling paper. You can hear it. <laughs> it is so like there's a part where he's like looking through papers and every time he like turns a page, it's like someone throwing a newspaper across the room. Right. It is crazy. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like if, if I was dubbing a movie, if I was doing the Foley for a movie and I just got like sick of it like 20 minutes in, I'd be like, ah, oh, that's good enough. <laughs> He's stomping like, across the room. Stomp, stomp, stomp. That's like, fine. Oh, I, wonder what, I wonder what the weather is going to be like tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay. It's going to snow. Yes, so the sound in this movie is very unusual. And it that really it, is. And that really does uh, carry over into the dialogue, which because of the structure of the film, which begins with the voiceover, and then all the dialogue is also dubbed, the voiceover sounds exactly like the dubbing. <laughs> which is really weird, <laughs> It's too. really weird. And, uh, and it also affects the performances. Uh, <laughs> not that the performances would be so great anyway, yeah. but particularly when it comes to Scott Davis, who, who plays the lead in this movie, I can't get a sense of whether he has any skill as an actor or not because right. uh, because it seems like he he's reading from a piece of paper or he's like over enunciating every single word. <laughs> yeah, he's got some uh, serious elocution going on. Yes, which I like w- it though, and you'll all be able to hear some of that very soon. Actually, you'll be able to hear everything we're talking about because I'm fairly certain at least a couple of these sound clips have some football, some footballs <laughs> in it, some of the Foley work. It, it's some fascinating shit going on. Now, we haven't mentioned one of the things mm-hmm. that make this movie particularly interesting, and it, it, it's, it happens right at the beginning. Uh, and the funny thing about this movie is Mo was watching it, and I was so confused because the film opens on a montage. It begins Which with a montage. Happens sometimes. 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 Rarely. Because normally a montage implies that you're like you're showing things that have already happened or you're showing quickly trying to get past something. Sure. But no, but in this case it's a montage of and it's just a lot of just repeating footage over and over and over again. Yes. Um <laughs> and, and but but as I'm watching it, I'm thinking to myself you know, because I, I remember I emailed you about it too. I'm like, is this supposed to start on a montage? Because it's really giving away the entire film. I mean, it literally gives away every highlight, violent. 
highlights everything. of the entire everything. movie. The, yeah. It starts with this montage that lasts three and a half minutes, which, yeah. I mean, three and a half minutes isn't super long, right? It's only really the length of a trailer. But if it, it is when you haven't seen anything in the film yet. That's right. And it literally, and it, again, it, it tells you every single person is going to die, how yeah. they're going to die, that the, every scene of, of, of effects work. Right. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't give away the, the, the final moments of the film, but aside from right. that, it gives away everything. Yeah, it gives everything except the final twist. And it's, I mean, it's such an odd decision. I guess it's, it, it was a way to sell the movie. And right. it does, because when I was watching that, I was like, whoa, there's going to be a lot of really cool shit in this movie. Right. Not realizing that I had already seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I mean, this this is a violent movie. And I mean, it's it's violent even for that time period. And, right. and some of the violence is actually really impressive. But it really does really does kind of um, mute the effect of that violence <laughs> when you when you really have seen it and you might have seen it like four times because it just repeats it over and over well again. it's like it's like watching um, it's I mean because this is this is essentially like a low budget gore version of like a little shop of horrors essentially. exactly I mean, there's no real difference uh, so it's so it's like imagine watching Little Shop of Horrors and knowing all of the violent scenes that are going to happen before they happen. Yes. and you're like, oh, it's kind of it kind of takes the sting out of it. Although it's still pretty cool to watch. I'm not talking about Little Shop of Horrors. I'm talking about this. Yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, so so it's still okay that that happens, but it's just so weird that they would put it right at the beginning of the film and just kill all the surprise. Now, uh, the film, after we get this kind of montage, and what it's actually supposed to be, I suppose, is a dream. It's supposed to be his nightmare. A nightmare, that's exactly right, because then it goes right into the opening credits, and that has a voiceover with uh, this lead character, Cody. Did you Uh, count how many times he sits up from bed? Oh, man. (laughs) In that opening, I I really wish I had, I meant to, and I was like, I started, and then I got distracted, and I stopped. But I, re- but like I meant to to count how many times he sits up, <laughs> you know, like like he's waking up from a nightmare. Yeah, it must be like seven times. I mean, it's it's got to be seven or eight times. It's I mean, it's like four or five times, like in a row. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's weird. it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it's uh, really the, ridiculous. The opening credits have this character Cody, the guy who's waking up from his nightmare. He's talking to a doctor about the nightmares that he's been having. Uh, and this is our first kind of sense of what the voiceover is going to sound like because the rest of the movie, it'll continually cut back to this voiceover of him explaining things to the doctor. Right. Uh, and we also learn in this opening credits that the screenplay for the movie is by someone named Bando Glutz. <laughs> and it's directed by Max Raven. Max Raven. Uh, in fact, both the screenplay uh, and the direction are by Brett McCormick. So I guess he decided that... He did not want uh, his his name necessarily connected with the film. Where do I know Max Raven from? That sounds familiar, doesn't it? It really does sound familiar. Nah. No, it's not coming in. <laughs> no. Not, coming up. not quick enough, at least. <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, that he there's someone who works for CNN named Max Raven. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, if you if you look up, if you do like a Google image search for Max Raven, pictures from the abomination come up. So, I mean, uh, also, if you go to MaxRaven.com and I suggest everybody do this, it brings up what appears to be a GeoCities page with animated GIFs on it that one of them says, don't mess with me. Nice. 
<laughs> Alright, I'm shutting that off. <laughs> I, that is what happens when you go to MaxRaven.com. <laughs> uh, uh, I was only on it long enough to see that one, I guess he's an actor or something, and he was uh, apparently on the show Arliss. Ooh. Arliss, remember the Arliss show? Yes. The Arliss show, you like that show? And by yes, I mean no. Yes, you do, with Robert <laughs> Wool. Uh <laughs> So that's who Max Raven is. Duh. That was so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> it, it, it indeed is Brett McCormick who has directed this movie. Yeah. Uh, and we go from his opening credits to a, a sequence which, uh, <laughs> which don't pay too much attention to it because you're going to see it again. <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. And this is Cody explaining a dream that I guess he's been having, which involves him driving past a cemetery, yeah. uh, which features a girl. Uh, there's a girl in the cemetery. She's putting fl- uh, flowers on her grandfather's grave. He passes by in his truck. Something mm-hmm. makes him turn around, and then he goes... Uh, he goes back. He goes into the cemetery itself, and he explains what it is that's controlling him. It's the abomination. He's controlling me. He's hungry, and I must get him food. Man, that's a really good example of the kind of dialogue you're going to hear for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yep. He's controlling me. He's controlling me. So let's explain what the abomination is, Mo, to everyone. Who's listening? Who doesn't care? <laughs> <laughs> so everyone. Uh, well, he's a demon from hell. Yes, from hell. As for, as for to- he's a demon from hell. Uh, as foretold in the book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Looks like Daniel. <laughs> foretold. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like the Antichrist or something like Basically, similar. Yeah. Uh, he's a demon, uh, and. Uh, you know, he's a uh, demon from hell. Yes, it's a hideous demon from hell. <laughs> and uh, like five thousand years ago, the prophet Daniel foretold that the abomination is going to come. And uh, our understanding at this point is that the abomination is what is controlling the dream version of Cody to right. chase this girl in the cemetery. Right. Uh, and uh, he, she tries to hide badly behind a tree. Yeah, he has to chase her out of the cemetery because he can't kill her on sacred ground. That's right. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and, and she would have gotten away except if it for, wasn't for those pesky kids, it wasn't for those pesky kids, but also as Cody tells us, there is no escape from the abomination. And then he slits her throat and it's really, uh, again, we've already seen this in the opening sequence, but he slits her throat and then a big squirt of blood goes across his face. Nice. Yes. Uh, and it's like, hey, at this point, I'm into the movie, right? He's uh, talking to a doctor. He's talking about his weird dreams where he's killing people. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the abomination up until the first 10 minutes. Right. He, uh, he proceeds to leave the cemetery, and he explains how, you know, he's kind of filled with guilt or, or anxiety. But then he goes to the car wash, <laughs> and he washes off all the blood, and all of his worries trickle down the drain along with the blood. And all the evidence. And all the evidence, I guess. <laughs> so, this is what we start with, and it's stupid. I mean, you know, it's it's fine, but it, it, it doesn't really tell us the story. We don't learn until much later that, that there was really no reason to explain this portion first. Yeah, that's the end of the story. That's the end of the story, but the doctor... He goes, no, 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 go back further. Go back to the beginning. We must go deeper. Uh, 
<laughs> and wait till you hear this doctor, by the way. This doctor, the actor who plays him, I don't know what his deal is, but you'll get a little bit of his dialogue later, and he... Uh, you know how they sometimes say people sleepwalk through a part? He he sounds oh, like yeah. they just woke him up to say the lines. Yep. Cody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cody, your Can mother. Let's go back further. Let's go back. Uh, so Cody goes back to the beginning of the story. Now, how does his story begin, Mo? Well, it starts off with his mother watching uh, a televangelist by the name of Brother Fog. Brother Fog. <clears throat> and... Uh, <laughs> Brother Fog really has that televangelist, like fire and brimstone preacher sure. thing down. Like some of the lines, just in passing, like it's like some of the shit he says is great. He goes, "I'm trying to save you, and you're spitting in my face." <laughs> <laughs> For those of our younger listeners, they might not realize that in the mid '80s, in particular, and I mean still today, yeah. but certainly it's, in the mid '80s, they're still there. Yeah, they still are. But televangelists were like super big. Right. At that time, uh, and and you're right, they are still there. There's no doubt about it. I'm just lucky, yeah. I guess, because put I don't your have... hands on the television set. <laughs> and of course, they are, have all been uh, obviously shown to be frauds. Sorry, right. but uh, but uh, you know, we are meant to see Brother Fog as uh, being someone trying to take advantage of Cody's um, pleasant but misguided mother. Right. She's very I like religious. His mo- I, yeah, I like her. Mo- I like his mom. Uh, her name is Sarah Lee, and nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. <laughs> oh, Mo. <laughs> so she's super into Brother Fog. Yes. She loves this fucking guy. Yeah, to the point that Cody and his mom argue about it. Yeah. Often. Because Cody is a non-believer. Yeah. And also, his mother... By the way, let's let's talk about Cody for a second. He uh, He's an 80s guy. Oh yeah, he's an '80s guy, all right. He's got uh, some '80s hair and denim jacket. Denim jacket. Yeah, he looks like he's from the '80s because he is. He really, yeah, he really. <laughs> he also appears to be. Fits. How would you? What? What would you estimate his age is? Forty-two. <laughs> That's the thing about these '80s guys; they're tough to to tell how old they are. <laughs> I mean, if someone told me, like, if someone held a gun to my head and said, "How old is Cody in this movie?" which seems like an impossible scenario. Uh, I would probably say late 20s, early 30s. If that. I mean, I have a sneaking suspicion that they're trying to imply that he's like mid-20s. Yeah, maybe. But he definitely doesn't. Because it seems to me like they're trying to imply that he's like a fresh out of college sort of kid. (laughs) College. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, fresh out of college age. (laughs) Yes, very good. (laughs) Uh, This uh, movie, by the way, takes place in Texas. Uh, and uh, I've never been. Uh, have you ever been to Texas, Mo? No, but all my exes are there. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Come on. But I will say that this movie makes Texas look like a place I would not want to visit. Right. It and looks- I got to tell you, I got to tell you, with the exception of Austin, there is no place in Texas I would want to visit. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Just, I like to think my- that, that every one of our episodes... Uh, is going to completely put off one state of yeah. the United States. <laughs> We're coming after you, Maine. <laughs> uh, you fucking lobsters. But indeed, Texas looks particularly unpleasant and hot and dirty in this In this one, yeah. yeah. Um, and, oh, and, and the other thing about his mother is that his mother seems to be slightly possessive. The reason I brought up his age is the fact that he, obviously, he still lives at home with his mother. Yeah. 
uh, and she still kind of treats him like a child. Yeah, uh, she dotes on him. Yeah, and he he's, he wants to go out with his girlfriend Kelly, but his mother's like, "Why don't you stay home? Why don't you?" <laughs> I, sta- lo- I love her reasoning too. Like, I love how like. You know, like they're they're constantly sort of arguing about Brother Fog, and then finally she kind of busts out with this gem. <clears throat> Cody, it's there. There's a tumor yeah, in my eyes. lungs. Look, Brother Fog told You're me so, the Brother Fog Ministry and he gave me God's promise We're that I'd be cured. From- I, I I love the background noise where you can hear like the brother like the Brother Fog program. You know, the the thing about that is that that some of that voiceover stuff in the background is kind of explicitly comedic. Yeah. And, and this movie has a comedic tone. Sometimes it's very broad, right. but other times it's kind of dark and not really humorous at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the brother Fog is probably the character that most of the humor revolves around. In fact, let's hear something from Brother Fog. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't explicitly what I was referring to. <laughs> we'll be... Hi, I'm Brother Fog. <laughs> He's Brother Fog. Actually, the actor who plays Brother Fog, Rex Morton, is by far the best person in this entire He's movie. He's great. I love Brother Fog. I, yeah. I, he's great. And it's so strange because, okay, so Cody's mom thinks that she has uh, a tumor on her lungs. Cody right. reassures her that she's been to the doctor recently and she does not have a tumor on her lungs. Right, right. Uh, but um, it seems to be setting up Brother Fog as this, like, like a really malevolent character, right? Someone right. who is intentionally trying to bring this creature to, uh, <laughs> to fruition or, or life or whatever. But not really. That's not really how it plays out. It plays and that would have very... been that would have been such a better story. Yes, too. it absolutely <laughs> would, right? Yeah, because that's when it starts. Like a Videodrome-ish type thing. Yeah, 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 exactly, you know? All hail the new flesh. But no, it's 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 not uh it, it doesn't end up being like that at all and it's very disappointing, you know, very disappointing. Cuz cuz well anyway, we'll see how that clues up, but it clues yeah. up much earlier and much simpler than I would have expected. Right. So, so we got a we got a moment with you know, the mother's like coughing to herself and and brother Fogg tells everybody to put their hands on the television set. People used to do that. Yeah, people are stupid. And uh, <clears throat> so the mother starts coughing even harder, and she's spitting up blood. It's kind of gross, yeah, but it's awesome gross. at the same time. She ends up coughing up this huge, like, tumor, you know? And the best thing about this tumor is that it beats. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And the beating sound is so bad, too. It just really sounds like somebody's, like, thumping on a drum. You know? <laughs> gunk, 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 gunk. <laughs> And she does what any person would do in this circumstance. She tosses she it. it out. She tosses it in the garbage. Right. Just tosses it on there. <laughs> right on top of the pile. <laughs> and it actually seems to make her feel a lot better because we see Cody later on. He's uh, getting some water, and uh, we see the tumor pulsating in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. And, but he checks in on his mom, and she's sleeping peacefully, and... Uh, I think everything's going to be okay, thanks to Brother Fog. Yeah, he notices a foul odor. Yeah. <laughs> and then he sniffs himself. I guess it was that, that tumor that your mom coughed up. <laughs> well, maybe it's making things stink a little bit. It's actually at this point in the film where I wrote, the footfalls in this are way too loud and hilarious. <laughs> and then I wrote, some damn fine foley work. It, it's like a radio play from like the 1940s. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like someone's coming up the stairs. <laughs> 
now it sounds like they're running up the stairs. <laughs> so uh, Cody, I guess, uh, yeah, he's like, eh, shit's going good. Uh, things are fine. He goes to bed. But while he's asleep, you know how they say that uh, that you swallow something like 50 spiders a year while you're sleeping? Yeah, it's bullshit, but yeah. That's, that is bullshit. That's absolutely right. Well, the truth is for Cody that he swallows one tumor. One tumor. Because <laughs> it crawls into his mouth, and it is gross. This is actually the most interesting part of the film to me. I, I think the whole beginning part. Where, oh, yeah. Like, you know, the you know, setup for me felt like it was going to be like uh, Frank Henenlotter's brain damage, which is right. what it seems like it's going to be. Right, Even right. though this came out before. Yeah. And I wish they went that route because they sort of do, and then it just doesn't happen. They start to, and it just falls apart. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so you see, you see this <laughs> lump of flesh sort of climb up the side of the bed and straight into Cody's mouth. And he, he, you know, and then he wakes up startled. So we get that same shot of him waking up startled again. Yes, yes we do. <laughs> I dreamed I was choking. And then his mom makes him breakfast. And she's in a better mood than she's been in in oh, a month. Oh, yeah, she's perky. She's perky. She's, his mom is super perky. And uh, she says that something wonderful has happened, but she, she doesn't reveal what that thing is at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess... Uh, Cody looks a little under the weather, and his mother suggests that he rests, but he has plans. He's like, I have plans with Kelly and their and our friends, Ike and Sean. Now, the thing about Ike and Sean <laughs> is that Sean is a girl. Yeah. I mean, I know girls named Sean, so I mean, that's not really that... That's strange, Mo. In my country, in the country of Canada. <laughs> we, no, just, have, we just don't... I... Do, it's just not done. Yeah, I mean, but I have but I have female <laughs> friends named Sean, so that's not that big of a deal to me. It's just that like you don't realize that it's a chick until they stop. Yes. I love their plans though. Their plans are hilarious. Plans you say? Yeah, plans. What is so, their plan? Well, their plans I'm are I'm busy to... today, mom. <laughs> yeah, I'm really busy, mom. This is this is my plans for today. I am going to drive at high speeds side by side on a two two lane road with my buddy and pass booze back and forth between our windows. They totally fucking they're like okay. So they're drinking and driving. Okay. Right. <laughs> they're driving really dangerously. <laughs> With really the, recklessly, yeah. With, I just love that, like, it, it's not commented on, the fact that they're doing something both horrifically dangerous and incredibly illegal. <laughs> no, and even to the point, like, when they fly by a bunch of adults. They just like, wave to A couple of them wave, and one of them just kind of, like, shakes their head like, all oh, these kids. Crazy kids with their those, drunk driving. Those impetuous children. But, oh, they don't know what impetuous means. Um, and they they drive for a long fucking time. Yeah, and then and, and I even put in my notes. I'm like, wait, so this was their plans for the day? Because <laughs> like it goes on for so long. Then they stop and they're like talking. Yeah, and the talking scene takes two seconds. <laughs> like it's basically just long enough for Ike to say something stupid, which we're about to hear. Yeah, let's hear Ike's stupid thing. All right. That pig was so good to us, we couldn't bear to eat him all at once. <laughs> oh, man, Ike, he's a character. <laughs> that, was, that laughter went on for a little longer. Yeah, the laughter goes on for way too long. <laughs> but I think the best part... I think the, pig. I think the best part was Ike's laughter at the end. 
<laughs> he's best friends with Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, basically. He's like, get her done. Um, <laughs> and then but, it's like the big But then he says, something, he says in something insulting about Cody's mom, and yeah, then leaves. Yeah, Cody... Cody invites them over for barbecue, and Ike goes, yeah, and one of your mom's sermons, and fucking Cody <laughs> gets, like, so depressed. <laughs> oh, man, like, you're oh, right, man, my you... mom is a churchy McChurch a lot. Oh, you're right. Oh, man, I better give up on life. This whole sequence, you're right, is really fucked up, because uh, Ike decides, he's like, oh, I, I said something stupid, so I'm going to leave now. I'm going to leave. <laughs> and they're all talking, and all I could think of is are those opening scenes of Manos the Hands of Fate where everyone is dubbed, and it seems like everyone's voice is the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's basically two actors. There's one guy playing both Ike and Cody, <laughs> just with a slightly different drawl. So that pig was so good to us, we couldn't bear to eat him all at once. (laughs) (laughs) It's also funny that Cody, I mean, Cody is worried about his mother and the fact that she's kind of turning him into an outcast. That said, she was doing a lot better that morning. Yeah. So that dude needs to calm down because I think everything's going to be okay. And they never really explain how long she's sort of been on this Gotti Goddardson kick, you know. Or what happened to his father. Or really yeah, or what happened to anybody life. else. You know, who knows. <laughs> so uh, that Monday, uh, Cody goes to work. And we learn that he works at sort of some sort of vehicle repair place. Like a garage, yeah. Some sort of garage. And his boss is a charming fellow. <laughs> Ow! Fuck! You fuckwad! I bumped my head now because of you! <laughs> My response to this was, seriously, what a douche. Yeah, what a douche indeed. This is the part of the film where they're introducing characters just so they have people to murder later. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Like, I love when you get these low-budget horror films and like you and you can tell that that's all they're doing. Like, you, you get one scene of them being an asshole, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, at least it's justified why they get killed later. Right, right. Well, he deserves to die. He said fuck. Yeah, he bumped his head and called him a fuckwad. I mean... <laughs> So uh, while while Cody's at work, his mother is uh his is phoning Doctor Russell, her local physician, to to tell him. Actually, she leaves a message, doesn't she? Uh, no, 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 no. She she does actually talk to him because um he tells her to bring in the tumor the next day, and so that that's how this whole thing starts because she's because it's gone now. The tumor is now gone because Cody ate it. Uh, and of course she thinks the cat ate it. <laughs> she thinks the cat ate it. She goes outside and she sees the cat and she's like, <gasps> and she picks it up and she's like worried. The idea of that cat eating that tumor is actually grosser than the idea of it crawling into Cody's mouth. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Cody comes home and she's all like, did you take out the trash? Cause she thinks that maybe he, he did take out the trash with the tumor. Uh, and then she tells him about the tumor. Right. And he mentions that he wants to call the doctor, and she's like, don't call the doctor. you got to talk to Brother Fog. But he says that he's been coughing up blood. Right. <laughs> and he kind of wants a doctor. But he's like, I kind of would rather have a doctor here. <laughs> I also like the idea that her suggestion is just to call up Brother Fog. <laughs> like, like he's just someone that you call up like the doctor. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty terrific. He's, it's well, good. apparently he's a local, too, because, I mean, people keep popping in on him. Yeah. So maybe maybe that ministry is just uh it's small at the moment. Yeah. But the uh but the doctor does end up coming and, and makes house calls. Has, yeah, he makes house calls. He has to because they don't they can't afford an office uh setting 
Uh, <laughs> um, they they spent all that money on Brother Fogg's office on, on his with, his, with his bathroom. That's right. <laughs> so we mentioned earlier that Doctor Russell, uh, who, who by the way again is the character that Cody is also telling the story to, right? Uh, that his performance is a little bit unusual. So let's hear a little piece of of that. Cody, did you know your mother called me today? No. What about? To inform me that Brother Fogg had healed her. <laughs> to inform me that Brother Fogg had healed her. <laughs> yeah, that guy's not so good. But uh... <laughs> it actually really makes you appreciate, like, like the performances you see in like American movie. <laughs> <laughs> when you get that like that really over the top like actor guy screaming into the microphone. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh Cody is worried because this suggests to him that his because his mother talked to the doctor that his mother is crazy. Uh and the doctor asks Cody what happened at work that day. So then we get a flashback, and remember that this is already a flashback. Yep. So this is a flashback inside a flashback, and it's also just what happened before he came home. So there's no need for this flashback. They could have just showed us. They could have just showed us. My favorite part of this flashback within a flashback is that basically all it does is it shows him not feeling well and getting himself a beer. Yeah, that's what he decides to con his stomach. He could have literally just said... I wasn't feeling well, so I got myself a beer. It didn't help. Yeah, he could have just said that to the doctor. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> but but then again, at that point, it wouldn't give it wouldn't give him an ex- it wouldn't give them an excuse to show him puking up some blood. You know. <laughs> yeah, dude pukes up a lot of blood. <laughs> right all over his hand. Gross. <laughs> so, uh, Cody, uh, the doctor tells Cody to get some rest and uh, that he should stay home until. They find out what the hell is wrong with him. I don't right. know if the doctor took any blood or is going to do any tests, but I guess he's just going to think about it for a while. Yeah, <laughs> Give him a call in a couple days. <laughs> Coughing up blood. Hmm, that sounds like hmm. something you shouldn't go out and spread around to other people. <laughs> Why don't you stay in your room? I'll have a good think on this one. So then I got, we... I got some good books. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> in fact, let's hear what it sounds like to turn the pages of those books. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. <laughs> shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. <laughs> so uh, then we go back to our favorite character in the film, Ike. And Ike is driving his truck and drinking and driving once again. Of course. I, I mean, it's actually kind of amusing how little they seem to care the fact about the fact that he's doing that. That that's just be- <laughs> something people do. Yeah. So like this. Yeah. So this whole this whole next segment is kind of like back and forth between Cody coughing shirtless and uh, and Ike drunk driving. <laughs> Cody's at home and he's getting more. He's coughing a lot. I mean, he coughs like a shitload of times, yeah. and he he does end up cough. He does end up coughing up that tumor. Yeah, and he does what any sane person would do, and he like affixes it to the frame of his bed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you Why don't want. Not? I mean, you don't want to throw that shit out because it could no, be valuable. You want to hold on to that. Uh, and Ike does arrive at his house. He's. I think Ike is a little bit apologetic about the fact that he said all that shit about his mom. Uh, and 
He wants, you know, he wants, <laughs> he wants to bury the hatchet, so to speak. So he's knocking on his door, and his mom is knocking on Cody's door, and she wants to see him. Right. But he does what anyone would do after coughing up a tumor and putting it under his bed. Sneaks he, out the window. He sneaks out the window and drives oh. off. My notes, by the way, on this point say, what a weird and stupid movie. What a weird and stupid <laughs> movie this is. <laughs> oh, it really is. Uh, he also, uh, he, he, he drives in his car. Oh, by the way, he's wearing sunglasses now, and that's very important. Right. We don't he, didn't know. Have t- he didn't have time to grow a goatee. No. but So the so. sunglasses tell us that he's evil. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, he drives off, and, and actually it shows, us, it shows him drive by the cemetery from earlier for a moment, so keep that in mind. That's a little bit of foreshadowing. Of course, <laughs> it was also foreshadowed by the fact that we saw it happen already. <laughs> <laughs> So then he pulls up in front of a woman's house, like a house, and he takes a hunting knife out of the glove compartment, and he he goes to the door, and he knocks on it, and I didn't know who it was at first. Neither did I. Uh, because we've only seen this person once before, and she didn't really make an impression. I don't even think she had any lines earlier. Who knows? It's Sean. Yeah. Sean the girl. Yep. <laughs> And also, she says that she, like, her reaction is so strange, too. She goes, come in, I've been worried about you. And she immediately goes to call Ike on the phone, right? So they've all been worried about him, apparently. And as soon as she sees him, she's going to call Ike on the phone. But how uh, does she know where Ike is since yeah. he's at Cody's house? I guess maybe they, that's, you know, it's the 80s. You can't text people. She just right. doesn't know. Uh, she's going to call every phone number she can think of until she finds him. <laughs> Ike, is this you? Well, you know. Well, it reminds me It reminds me of back when I was a kid, and that's what you had to do. <laughs> you had to call every phone number you knew <laughs> until you found the person you're looking for. <laughs> now, I heard he was at Bob's house. Oh, okay. Let's call Bobby. Well, she, uh, Sean, in this case, does not get the opportunity to call everybody she knows no. because as soon as she dials the phone, Cody comes up behind her and he slits and her he throat. he slits her throat. And this is a pretty good effect. It is. They linger on it, too, man. This, they, this, well, they had to because they knew this was, like, one of the best effects in the film, <laughs> you know. <laughs> this is how you do a slit throat. Oh, that's that's how you do a slit splurt. Uh, and... Uh, this is where, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, Mo, that this is, you know, basically a riff on Little Shop of Horrors. And that's when, this is when it really is coming into play. Because he brings this corpse, he comes back home, he drives back home, and he comes in through the window with the corpse. Yeah. And he slides it under his bed. <laughs> do you got yep. a girl in there, Cody? Uh, sort of. <laughs> you know, I do a little bit. Well, parts of her, at least. Uh, and Cody's, I mean, the way that he's acting is very strange. He's usually a pretty laid-back guy, except for the fact that he's kind of up- upset about his mother's behavior. But now he's acting a little strangely. Right. You don't like the way I'm talking? Fine! I don't want to talk anyway! His mom did not like hearing that. It made her very upset. <laughs> and we get, And we get a couple of footfalls in there, too. Yes, clump, clump. <laughs> the abomination too. the clumps. <laughs> the clumps. So uh, the next day, actually, Cody remembers nothing about the day before. He's feeling a lot better, probably because <clears throat> he coughed up that tumor. And he, yeah, and he says he doesn't remember what happened the yeah, night before. Yeah, he doesn't remember. That's what I just said. So. Oh, well, I guess I should have been paying attention. Uh, and so he goes out and he starts getting breakfast and, you know, shit's, it's all right. Things are going okay. Thinks right. maybe it was all a bad dream, even though this is a story that he's telling to somebody. <laughs> I like to see how he's explaining that part to the doctor. I, it really does, because it's all voiceover. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's getting breakfast, and he hears a clump, another clump from uh, his bedroom, and he goes in, and he sees a skeleton being pushed out from beneath his bed. <laughs> and all the memories come flooding back. All the memories come flooding back, and he looks under the bed, and he sees that the tumor has grown quite a bit. <laughs> It might be cancerous. Yeah. How would you explain how this tumor looks? It looks like a hand puppet. It's sort of like a puppet. Yeah. (laughs) Like a big red kind of gross, bloody bloody puppet with teeth. Toothy hand puppet. It's got a lot of teeth. You know what it looks like? I know. Do you remember remember those little, oh God, I don't remember what the hell they were called. Oddlins? From the Max? What? You remember, you remember the Max that did oh, that cartoon? And oh, like I the, see what you're saying. The little guys, With the little the toothy. Yeah. It kind of looks like a really low budget version, like hand puppet version of one of those. You know, I thought it looked like was a super really low budget version of the creatures from the Deadly Spawn. But that's really because <laughs> that's really because of all those fucking teeth. <laughs> right, right. So, like you said, all of those memories hit him at once. Uh, <laughs> and he, he runs into the bathroom. And he coughs up another tumor. Brilliant. So, like, this shit, it's not going to end easily. <laughs> I love how he puts that one in, the like, the medicine cabinet. Yeah, he puts it in the medicine cabinet. I'm just going to put it in here. Um, and then he actually spells out what the plot of the movie is, which he says, The horrible thing under my bed was using me to provide for it and its offspring. Woohoo. And, in fact, speaking of the plot of this movie, the tagline for the abomination is one of the best ever. It's, Tumorous parasitic beasts are nesting in the bowels of their victims. Ew. That's not even really true. That's not really the plot of the movie at all. No. The bowels of their victims. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Mo- monotonous <laughs> uh, middle-aged boy kills. <laughs> middle-aged boy. <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so... We know that at this moment that Cody's mom has gone out to run an errand, but we don't know what that errand is. But actually, we be- learn. because of the fact that he talked back to her to the, the day before, <laughs> she, she, she has decided to do what any good mother would do in this circumstance, which is... Uh, to seek out a, a brother fog. <laughs> I mean, she, for a freaking exorcism. Yeah, for an exorcism. She thinks that someone has... Well, the, the, the funny thing is that she's kind of right, that someone has possessed him. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't get, really get a strong sense of that. But, you know, his mom was a little odd. So she goes to see Brother Fogg and in his fancy office. I love that Brother Fogg's secretary, like, picks up the phone and does a couple of... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. She but says, the phone didn't ring. She, it didn't ring, and she says, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. uh-huh. Immediately, like like before anyone would possibly have time to say anything. <laughs> and what's even better is that the only person she could possibly be ha- talking to is Brother Fogg, right? Who's in the bathroom? Who's in the bathroom, right? Because it immediately, and she tells so her to go in. Did he, did he say, like, oh yeah, send her in. I'm going to go take a shit. Right. Not send her in in two minutes. Yeah. A- and uh, this bathroom, we, I mean, we need to get intimately familiar with this bathroom because of what's <laughs> happening. And they allow us to do that because... <laughs> Well, we've already heard from Brother Fogg, but let's hear from him once again. <laughs> Remember what I was saying earlier about how like the more uh, out- outrageously comedic parts of this movie f- surround Brother Fogg? Well, he decides right. that he's going... I mean, they decide to put in a lot of farting <laughs> in the sequence. 
because he's taking. Yeah, this isn't shit. the only fart. This isn't the only fart moment that Brother Fog has. No, he farts a few more times just yeah. in the sequence. Right. <laughs> yeah, they cut away for a second. She comes in, sits down, and they cut back to him, and he's farting again. Yeah. Because <laughs> farts are funny. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the sound effects in this entire sequence are so fucking weird because he farts and then he's like walking over and the footsteps are ridiculous and then he sits in his chair and it squeaks. It is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so so Cody's mom wants him to do an exorcism. And he is totally up for that. Yeah, he's like, fuck yeah. And in fact, she even gives him money for healing her of the, for the tumor and uh, gives him about $200. And he's, I mean, he's, he's a greedy scumbag. Uh, You'd like me to exercise the demon? So he's totally willing to do it, and he's thinking that he can get a thousand bucks for an exorcism. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, he's like two hundred for a tumor. The exorcism should be a thousand. And then he laughs evilly, like, he goes, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> he's just laughing to himself because of all that money. And I mean, you know what? Why not get rich off some dumb shit, redneck? <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess I don't have as much sympathy for her as I thought. No. Uh, so remember Ike? <laughs> I do. Ike likes to do, he likes barbecue. He likes drinking and driving. He likes to tell stories and laugh at them. Well, he's driving along. <laughs> that pig was so good to us, we couldn't bear to eat him all at once. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is the next day, right? Ike yeah. does not seem particularly broken up with the fact that his girlfriend is missing. <laughs> maybe, yeah, or well, maybe he doesn't realize it yet. Maybe he doesn't realize I mean, he's a, you know what? Guys like him, Texas boys, good old boys, they don't need to see their girlfriends every day. Who he, who does? Who really? does? That's exactly right. Right. So he sees Cody walking in the middle of a field with a big corpse-looking thing in a blanket <laughs> <laughs> and carrying a shovel. And he's like, hey, that's Cody. I better stop in and see what he's doing. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> it's Cody. Hey, Cody, I will come over for a barbecue now that you mention it. You, <laughs> you got any ribs? <laughs> so uh, Ike sees Cody with this, uh, you know, blanket-covered shape and shovel. Uh, yeah. And he comes over to see him. And, you know, Cody just <laughs> just stands there while Ike pulls back the sheet. And he shows that it's a skeleton. And uh, Cody immediately smacks him with the shovel. Yeah. You know what's weird about this sequence? What? Uh, How stupid it is? It's stupid, yes. But in the opening sequence of the film where they're showing like the highlights, <laughs> uh-huh. they, sh- they show that him hitting Ike with the shovel, but when they show it at the beginning, they show him make a full swing that makes it obvious that he doesn't hit him. But here they cut away right as it's about to hit him, so it's much more, uh, much more believable that he hit him with the shovel. Right, right. I don't know why I noticed that, but it was just because I noticed at the beginning, I was like, that didn't hit that person. <laughs> so Ike's dead because of all the blood squirting from his head, except maybe not. Maybe huh? not. I can't remember if he's dead or not. Is he's he dead? dead. Yeah, yeah, he's dead. He's, he's totally dead. fucking dead. He's fucking dead. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, this is we're getting some highlights of Cody doing wacky stuff. In fact, uh, it's so wacky that we get to see Cody wearing his sunglasses sitting on his doorstep, petting a cat while his of mom's course. in the kitchen, and the music gets all wacky to show us that things are all whacked out. Honk, <laughs> 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 
so uh so shit's getting crazy and in fact stuff went, is going to go from you know we're at a level of of where Cody is starting to kill people and he's right. feeding the corpses and it's so like, now's well, the perfect time to introduce some slapstick into the mix <laughs> where Cody's mom is in the kitchen and uh and they have one of those dealies where they have a washing machine in the kitchen right and she puts her apron in the washing machine and the, it, it gets thrown out right and she's like, huh, huh? And so <laughs> she's stuff, like, what's going on here, bro? Well, that's not normal. Usually Weird. it just stays in the washing machine. So right. then she goes and tries to put it back in, and it gets thrown out again. Mm-hmm. And then she tries to put it back in, and guess what? Gets thrown out again. Yeah, but then she tries to put it back in again. <laughs> <laughs> and this time there's a giant tumor in the washing machine. Oh, no. And she, that makes her very upset. I don't know why. And then she goes over to the cupboard and also discovers that there's a giant tumor in the cupboard. <sighs> this setup, by the way, totally could have made for a really cool and interesting movie of this like kitchen that has been taken over right, by these right. tentacle. I mean, like these these the, these tumors have tentacles that come out and can grab people. And, it's super inventive. Yeah, and it it totally looks like they they put a lot of work into designing this particular sequence. Uh, but they really jumped to it quickly, right? Because the last right. time we saw the tumor, it was under his bed and in the uh, the bathroom, and now it's taking over his entire house. Right. <clears throat> I mean, now we're at the point where we're supposed to assume that each one of these giant mouths is like one tumor that Cody's coughed up. Yeah. You know, and has been fed to the point of being that big. So, but we only really see him kill a couple of people. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's I mean, I guess the weird. suggestion I guess is that, th- that there may have been more, but then again, if there was, you wouldn't think he would be burying the first corpse. When right. We just last saw him. Right. Anyway, remember how we kind of like Cody's mom? Yeah. <laughs> well, she's uh she screams her fucking head off when she right. discovers this. And Cody does come in and uh, he kind of blames her for all of this. And, and, uh, to his credit, she absolutely is responsible. I was going to say, it's totally her fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, some tentacles come out of the cupboard and the oven, and they are pretty gross looking. And then one of them bites her hand off. <laughs> That's great, yeah. And she freaks out some more as a bunch of blood squirts out. And uh, in a movie like this, once your hand is gone, you're fucked. So, you're dead. So a tentacle wraps around her neck and pulls her into the cupboard, and uh, the tumor eats her. And then a horse. And then a horse. Of it's course. weird. There's there's a couple of there's a couple of like shots like that he uses, and one of them is this shot of a horse. Yeah, it just cuts to it. Randomly. It just cuts to a horse, <laughs> and like I was keeping track of it. He does it like three or four times during the course of the film, and it's just like, and then the horse. We need some time passing. What's the best way to show the time has passed? A, uh, horse. S- s- a horse, of course. Of course. <laughs> Oh, remember that Cody has a girlfriend? Because uh, at the time that I was watching this movie, I forgot at this yeah, point. Yeah, right. Because someone calls Cody's place and gets no answer and seems really suspicious about it. But I didn't know who the fuck that was, even <laughs> though that is Cody's girlfriend. <laughs> Just random characters. Also, why is she so suspicious that she called over and there was no answer? That happens. Right. This, this is the age when you can't get anyone on the phone. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, it's Cody, not like he's it's not like he's liking pictures on another girl's Facebook. So what I'm confused about at this point is how much control Cody has over the tumor and like how much his own desires influence it, because he ends up 
devising a plan to get back at Brother Fog. Right. Uh, now, I don't understand why the, the tumor would be so upset about Brother Fog, uh, because, you know, they're not strictly connected in any way, unless we are to think that there's some sort of religious influence that did cause his mother to cough it up in the first place. Right. So, Cody decides what he's going to Which do. Which is certainly what they imply. There is an implication. In the film, yeah. That's right. Uh, and, and we'll see why there's some question marks about that in a little bit. <laughs> so, he decides he's going to drive over to Brother Fog's office. With a with, gift. With a gift for him. And that gift re- requires food for the ride. So he brings the cat. So he brings the cat. And I, that's... I got I to tell you, this next scene is probably one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. Just so ridiculous. It's also one of those things where it makes you... You start to think for a second, well, how much did they not care about what they were doing, right? Like... <laughs> Like, they're driving this truck, and the cat is, like, walking all over the seats and shit right, because, right, right. because it's mid-80s. Right. Uh, and they get, to, they get to his office, and he sneaks in easily. No problem at all. Sure. He takes the Why back not? way. And he goes into Brother Fogg's turlet. <laughs> <laughs> and he puts the box in the toilet. <laughs> this it's haunted by the ghosts of many of those. Oh yeah, and <laughs> look, he's got a tire iron in his hand for one thing. <laughs> I yeah. So then he takes the cat, <laughs> and if you know anything about cats like I do, you know this I cat do. was probably not too happy about this next moment. Let me tell you something, Mo. I don't know much about cats, but one thing I do know is they do not like getting put in toilets. <laughs> <laughs> But this is one of those great moments, like sort of like in uh, like in Just for the Hell of It, where they put the baby in the trash can. Sure. Like this, it's just one of those great moments, and they take this cat and they stick it in the. To- he sticks it in the toilet, and the cat like obviously wants to get out, so he has to like hold the cat's front legs, yeah, and then lowers down the ring seat, and then puts down the other seat, and then holds it closed <laughs> on the cat. Because that cat's gonna get out if you and do not like, do that. And it's like, I mean, and obviously there's there's a really great cut, like right after there, where you know they had to quickly get that fucking cat out of there because the cat would have fucking <laughs> murdered everyone. I just love the idea that in the first place that okay, our plan here is to put this cat in this toilet, so we're gonna have to show him doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's going to actually have to put the cat in the toilet, and he's supposed to be in totally like like uh, hypnotized mode, so <laughs> he can't show any care for the cat at all. So he just has to kind of <laughs> throw it in there and kind of get the pieces down and hold right. it. <laughs> and then it goes right to Brother Fog arriving the next day. And if you know uh, people in the religious uh, persuasion. The thing that they do to start their day is take a shit every single morning. I agree. That's what they do. Uh, and Cody knew this, by the way, which is exactly why this plan was genius. Right. So Brother Fogg goes to take a shit on his toilet. Toilet. And uh, a scream comes from his toilet. <laughs> That's quite a scream from Brother that Fog. Is, that is that is some enjoyable tossed salad. Uh, this is probably my favorite effect of the entire movie. Uh, it was I, I liked it so much. I took a screenshot and I put it up on No Budget Nightmares, and everyone loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it, it is <laughs> the secretary goes in, and the tumor has grown to a ridiculous size. Right. 
And it it is apparently eaten uh, all of Brother Fog, and now takes up the entire D of the toilet and a little bit more, and it has toilet paper uh, kind of... Uh, <laughs> it's, like, attached to its teeth. Yep. So uh, it's it it actually it reaches that that sort of halfway hilarious and kind of gross kind of area which I wish more of the movie did. Right. Yeah, but it doesn't usually. <laughs> but just the idea that little detail of having that toilet paper stuck to its teeth that really made that whole thing for me. It was uh, a clever little moment. It was, and it's actually it's a fairly good effect. I mean, it's it's a gross looking creature. It's obviously just a big puppet, but hell, it's a big puppet. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Uh, so Cody has to keep supplying these tumors with food. So remember that boss from earlier, the asshole? <laughs> uh, let me think back. Um, let's see. Do I remember the boss? <laughs> hmm. Do I remember the boss? Ow! Fuck! You fuckwad! I bumped my head now because of you! Yeah, I remember. Well... He's still as uh, fun, loving, and laid back as he was in that <laughs> earlier scene. I gotta be honest, this scene actually endeared that character to me much, much more. Because Cody drives up, and the boss is kind of surprised to see him because he's supposed to be sick. Right. And this is how it plays out. I thought you were sick. I'm better. Want a beer? Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. I thought you was sick. I'm better. <laughs> Man, yeah, it's like I got to tell you, listening to these to these in normal speed now. Oof. Yeah, they go so slowly, right? Yeah, I would have I would have been miserable watching this movie normal. <laughs> I'm better. Want a beer? Want Hells yes. A beer. So uh, the boss opens up the cooler and the creature bites his hand off because they have, I guess, they have that stump ready to go anyway. So you might yeah, as well use not? it. <laughs> and then, go uh, for it. and Cody takes out a big ass machete and stabs his boss off screen. Right. And then I guess someone realized, hey, this movie is violent, but you know what people really like is chainsaws. <laughs> I gotta tell you, this chainsaw scene is something else. I love it. This is great. This is like something out of like bad taste or something. I uh, yeah, I love how like they, so basically he takes the chainsaw and he cuts off the top of the boss's head, and the brains like ooze out like it's like a ricotta cheese. Yeah, it's a it's a <laughs> this is surprisingly goopy brain matter. Right, right. <laughs> I like how they do this effect because he takes out the chainsaw right and he revs it up. And this boss has, like, really long, curly hair. Right. And what they do to do the effect of him cutting into it is that they lay it against his hair. <laughs> like, they cut to it, and then they cut to the sound of the... Like, they make the sound of it revving, but it's not right, moving right. while it's against his head. And yeah. then it just shows him slicing off the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever works. Hey, Mo, remember that sequence near the beginning of the movie where Cody drives past the cemetery? Yes. Well... Everything we said about that <laughs> happens again. It happens again, exactly the same. Yeah, well, not, not exactly. Not exactly. You're right because the voiceover. This time, this time, there's a voiceover saying the abomination, which all, which makes all things desolate, just repeats over and over again at various speeds and tempos. 
Yeah, Oof. and and they even show that entire sequence of him cleaning his truck again. Again. Uh, this time with audio clips from the entire film kind of playing over it. Right. Uh, but but we get to see this entire thing of him stopping, uh, going after the girl, killing her, bringing his truck to this pl- uh, to the car wash, and washing his truck. That whole sequence it plays. It's like a seven minute sequence, and it plays yeah. over again. Yep. There's only really one character left that we have any attachment to, and that's Cody's girlfriend, who I, again, I had forgotten she existed. (laughs) So, how do we have any attachment to her? (laughs) What I mean is that she was a named character who is still alive. Right. Uh, After the, the kind of repetition of that scene, we see Cody with this bucket of organs. <laughs> it's like a wash bin. Like you're right. It's a huge wash bin yeah. full of internal organs that he is he, he's got a pitchfork that he's feeding these guts to the abomination with. I was waiting for Emmett Otter to show up and turn it into a base. <laughs> Can't put a hole in the wash tub. <laughs> uh that can you imagine how that room must have smelled? <laughs> oh my god. Because those weren't like I mean those were like intestine intestines. Like, yeah. I mean like those things were probably packed with shit, like literally. Yeah, and it's and he's like picking them up and moving them across the room. All right. Uh, there's a part where he takes a shoe out of the bucket, which is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the music during the sequence is insane too, because it's you got okay. You got to play some of this. Music. Yeah, I will. I'll just straight up play. Right, let's play it. <laughs> That's a pretty sick tune. What do you think you should call it? <laughs> uh, stairway to heaven. <laughs> anyway, uh, that music is playing in this movie that you're watching. Uh, and uh, Cody's girlfriend knocks on the door. Yep. Uh, Cody probably at this point forgot maybe that he had his girlfriend. He grabs his machete. Uh, and she comes in. She just walks in. And I love the slow realization that, hey, Cody, are you okay? And then the realization that there's, like, blood on everything. And then to look into the kitchen and see that he's feeding a giant tumor <laughs> a big bunch of turtle organs with a pitchfork. Well, oh, gotta, it's not what it looked like. Well, 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 it's it's great because he figures that if he closes up the cabinet doors uh, that it'll be okay. Despite the fact that there's still that giant tub of innards. You know, yeah. Like the, you know? Uh, this, I can easily explain this. Yeah, he's like, just give me two minutes to leave the room and come up with something from the horse. (laughs) He's like, Kelly, you shouldn't have come here. Uh, But apparently this was the right thing to have happen because she does what you would do in that circumstance. Right. They have kind of a tussle. Yeah. She and she impales him with a pitchfork. Yeah. The pitchfork's a weapon, a very good weapon. And she uses that and she stabs him right through the chest. Yeah, and like his innards start to fall out, and like one of them turns into like one of the abomination puppets. And... The abomination, right? Uh, and yeah, it, the creature pushes out of her stomach and like covers her with blood, which is. But pretty... of course, th- at this point, it, it begs the question: 
He's dead. Right? I, w- I would say so. But he's also telling the story. Uh, hmm. This is a dream, Mo. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> no, I mean, it, he's t- he's telling it from the perspective of it being oh, a dream. yeah, I guess. Uh, it, so he often dreams about transitions to horses? I, I, I like to think, I mean, he dreams about himself being dead and then the action continues afterwards. Right. <laughs> because uh, even though she does stab him through the chest and uh, and he dies, the creature, um, a tentacle grabs her feet and drags her into the cupboard and eats her whole. Right. And horse. And horse. <laughs> that, that's going to replace and scene from now on. <laughs> and horse. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, so this movie has two trick endings. The Don't first, you love that? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you love trick endings. I'm glad it wasn't just him waking up. That would have been rough. I would have given that. That's an immediate <laughs> zero for me. I, I, there's nothing I hate more than the whole thing turned out to be a dream. Classic uh, Nightmare Asylum ending. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, what happens instead is that we see someone pull up to the house, and again. For like the first couple of seconds, I didn't know who the fuck this person was. I, it, was it took me confusing. a second too. I, 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 my notes say someone shows up. Dot dot dot. Is this the doctor? <laughs> right, because we've only seen him once, right? And right. you barely have seen his face. Anyway, this guy pulls up to the house, knocks on the door. He goes in, and there's a big scream sound, like someone screams. Right. And then he leaves wearing sunglasses and carrying a case. Right. So it that's, looks like that's, the, yeah, that's beating. Yes, that's right. It's a beating case. (laughs) And so I guess the abomination as a new owner. Ba-boom. So that is the first trick ending. Right. Uh, And it easily does set up uh, the anxiously awaited (laughs) abomination (laughs) 2. But during the closing credits, we get another trick ending. Right, because now we're listening to more of the voiceover and it's the doctor explaining to him, no, 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 no. Don't you, don't you get it? You're dying in the dream because you've committed all these crimes, and uh, and you're, you know, you're actually, just, you're actually being punished for these crimes that you, yeah, committed. He, because the reason that that this isn't just a meaningless dream that he's been accused of murdering seven people, and his dream is just a way of his unconscious to deal with the guilt of what he did. Right, and I actually think it's really clever that they're doing this over the closing credits. Yeah, right. That's probably the most clever thing they've done in the entire film. And I, we might, I might as well just play it now. Yes. Uh, and this is how the film ends, basically. Seven people are dead. <laughs> Did you kill them? <laughs> no! It wasn't me! It was the abomination! <laughs> Die. Castro Sting. Die. Die. Uh, yeah, so it wasn't him, he thinks. It was the abomination. But maybe the abomination... The abomination was really the evil that existed within himself. It had nothing to do... You know what? Oh, I did not mean to do that. <laughs> Wait, was that a sound clip just then, or was that you? No, that... <laughs> <laughs> a little of both. <laughs> uh, so the idea, he should have put his faith in, uh, in God, duh, and in Brother Fog, and nah. none of this would have happened. Sure. He killed seven people. So I guess we never really understand what his motivations really were for all those murders. Right. 
But I wonder, was one of those seven people his girlfriend? And I wonder how his unconscious really did understand that with him being dead and his dream. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> so that is the entirety of The Abomination from 1986, directed by Brett McCormick. Now, the thing about this movie is that there's parts of it that are kind of... They're, like the whole plot is sort of interesting, right? As a kind of riff on uh, on Little Shop of Horrors, but with sort of a religious bent to it. Right. There's something really kind of neat could have been made from that. Something where where like like a religiously motivated creature is forcing someone to kill for them. Hi, I'm Brother Fog. <laughs> And, and actually, and really making Brother Fogg a character who's sort of this malevolent overseer. Yeah, Brother Fogg should have been the bad guy in the film. Yeah, and he kind of, yeah, exactly. Instead of just I mean, this... he's played off as a bad guy, but he's played off as a bad guy because of his religious affiliation, not because there's some deeper, you know, malevolency there. It's just, it's all it is. It's so shallow that all, yeah. that's all it is. It's just... Brother Fogg, you know, manipulating and or, uh, you know, uh, conning people out of their money, you know, conning Took me a damn second for words to come to my mouth, you know? Uh, yes, that's exactly right. right. And, um, the, the, and the, the funny thing about this movie is that it seems like it's going in that direction. And then it just sort of, then it sort of just becomes a series of, of, murder set pieces which generally is fine especially i mean this movie yeah. those murder set pieces are okay right i mean they are kind they're of they're not terrible but but w- they're better than the movie murder set pieces <laughs> i was going to say that uh but uh, <laughs> but the thing is you've already seen them right even at the point that you see them in the movie you've already seen what's going to happen right, with it. right. i mean that scene that we mentioned of the chainsaw cutting the top of the head off that is shown in detail in the first 3 minutes of the movie right so when you get to it it's like well you know i I'll I'll watch like, someone's head get cut off with a fucking chainsaw. I don't give a shit. Right. But but you know it's there's no real joy in it. <laughs> but imagine but imagine though like you know uh, using our imaginations for a minute. Imagine oh. hey that that after they had gotten to the point where the abomination had already started taking over the house and all that fun stuff, and he went off to go kill Brother Fog, that he discovers that Brother Fog is actually some sort of like. You know, I don't want to say not necessarily a demon himself, but I mean, but that he has some sort of like dark magic affiliation or like some cult, whatever, you know, and that it was actually it's actually him controlling all of them. You could have even you could have even made it a pro religion type thing where you go to Brother Fogg's thing and finds out that he's working for like the devil or something like that. Right. Right. right? And and it's it's going to be the The devil. Thank you. (laughs) That's right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's there's a million ways that they could have went with it that would have been more interesting, right? Uh, or they could have made it that they uh, gave the abomination itself a slightly more personality, right? Uh, because that's what makes these kind of movies, your little shop of horrors, your brain damage, that's what makes them interesting, right? Your please don't eat my mother's. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so so, but the idea that this abomination, we don't even get a sense of how it's really controlling Cody or like to right. what extent it is. All it is, is it makes him wear sunglasses be an asshole, and kill people. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't love this movie. I like some of the effects quite a bit. I like some of the ideas. I like some of the ideas, but the structure of it is so fucked. It's really, yeah, it's really screwed up. It's incredibly slow. Um, I mean, it, I, I here's what I'll say. I'll say if anybody 
out there really wants to watch it, I'll say watch it. Why not? You know, but like completely fast forward through like the first like five minutes and then watch the rest of it on double speed. I will say there's one thing about this movie that you'll never see a movie like this again. Right. This, the way that this one was made uh, and and the way that it looks and the way that it feels, it really does have that mid-80s VHS look to it, even though it wasn't shot on VHS. It looks, you know, it, it has that feel of, uh, of something low-budget in a way that you will never see again. Uh, so, it, you know, if you're really into that level of low-budget filmmaking right. uh, where it's it's amateurish but it's slightly you know, kind of a level up from that, mm-hmm. uh, then, then, you know... You uh you might well, get we a... might... I don't know we might see it again. I mean Godfrey Ho's still alive. That's right. <laughs> as long as we'll give him a camera. Look, if, if he would have made this movie with that first, he doesn't sequence... even need a camera. He's got plenty of footage from his old films. <laughs> How is Richard Harrison doing lately? Mm. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. he looks he looks like he hasn't aged a day since 1984. <laughs> That's what abom- the abomination could have used was a few ninja sequences just right. spliced into just the right middle in of there. it. It would have been perfect. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to wholeheartedly recommend the abomination. No, me neither. Uh, but if you do happen upon it uh, and you just want to see it for the sake of it being violent, then just watch the first three and a half minutes and then you got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, you had the right idea. I said skip the first <laughs> the first five and watch the rest fast. No, fuck that. Just watch the first five. Mo watched Mo, Mo watched some of this, a good chunk of it at one and a half times speed. I well, watched three quarters of it. Well, you could watch that first three and a half minutes and that is like super speed through the whole movie. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, so just go ahead and do that and that's really all you need to do. Uh, Mo, have you watched any other movies lately? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've watched a ton of fucking movies. <laughs> we used to do this at the end of our show, remember? Yeah. <laughs> Are any of the, were any of them of note? Um. Well, I watched the first three Meatballs movies recently. Rank the first three Meatballs films in order of good to bad, or let's go good to bad. Uh, well, Meatballs 1, Meatballs 2, Meatballs 3. I mean, well, that was easy. Yeah, no, they 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 drop off considerably after each film. I mean, the first one's a classic, just an utter classic, but almost is almost too serious to qualify as a romp, but it does, really? it is. Hmm. It's almost too serious. Um, and then the second one, they just, they threw all the rules out the window and the whole, and it's just a fucking summer camp movie. It's just, it is a huge drop in quality. And then the third one, they're not even at fucking summer camp. It's just fucking stupid. And then the fourth one has fucking Corey Feldman. So when I was growing up, I only ever saw the fourth one. That one used to be very easily available. And it was, I think on, I... it was on everywhere. I've seen the fourth one 90 times. And I saw... Like I think all of them were filmed in Canada, or at least the first three were. Yeah. Uh, and I remember seeing the third one a little bit later, and pr- probably in my teens. I think somebody once described the third one as a Canadian tax write-off. I mean, <laughs> most most of these kind of movies are. Uh, but I, Murray, Murray Chaikin is in uh, the third one. I know that, and he he's super he's, he passed away a few years ago. But right. he's usually that sign of Canadianness, and it also has Shannon Tweed. Mm-hmm. Shannon Tweed from from Newfoundland, Canada, like myself. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Well, pride I mean, of the rock, I like to say. Yeah. So I mean, so I watched that. I mean, obviously, I've been watching a lot of romps lately because romps. I've been, 
Yeah, well, you know, because I got I got my list going. So I mean, if anybody wants to help me out with this, I'm gonna give a quick little plug here. Go to drunkonvhs.com, click on uh, it says romp list, you know, something to that effect, like the great <laughs> sex romp list, um, and and take a look down. Now I haven't updated it in a while, but maybe I'll update it before this comes out. Uh, so I've gotten I have maybe thirty or forty like new films to add to that list, but. If you happen to notice something, especially something foreign that uh, that I have missed, man, shoot me an email, drunkonvhs at gmail.com. Let me know um, that, you know, so that I that I've missed something because I I am trying to put together. I think I've said this before, but I'm trying to put together the ultimate, like comprehensive 80s teen sex comedy, you know, list. And it's just it's coming along beautifully. Like right now I have more films in one place than any other website, uh, online. And I just want to keep adding to it and adding to it and adding to it. And eventually what I'll do is I'll watch all of them and write little, like a little one paragraph (laughs) review for each one. But yeah, so right now I've got about a year's worth of uh, films to watch, but, um, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. Romp it up. Yeah, I could watch a romp a day for a year. Why not? Romp a day. That's it, man. That's what you got to do. <laughs> romp a day. That I like it. I think you should call that romp a day. That's excellent. Romp a day. I, on the other hand, Mo, have uh, not really been watching a lot of films lately. Sadly, I've been watching a lot of no-budget films that, that I uh, write about. But right. asi- aside from that, I did see the Lego movie which is very different than what you were just talking about. <laughs> I, I did enjoy it very much. Uh, I've had four or five people tell me that I need to go see it, and I, I, have, I have four or five people that I've responded to, yeah, I'll go see it when it comes out on video, because yeah. I do not give a shit about watching it in theaters. I know you don't, and, I, and I, you know what? I think that would be fine, and also the thing about seeing this movie is that it's a kid's movie, and right. it's hard to go to a theater and... Like I went with a friend of mine, and we were the only people who were not parents over the age of like twenty in that entire theater. <laughs> uh, and the kids seemed to really enjoy it, and I seemed to really enjoy it. I think, uh, but uh, it, it's still I haven't seen a kids' movie in that type of circumstance for a really long time, and it made me feel a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You know what makes me feel old is that uh, of the films that are in theaters right now, I'd much rather go see Monuments Men. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that sounds like a much better film. That's more you know, my speed. That's more my speed, you know. But uh but yeah, I mean I'll see it eventually. I'm just not going to I'm not going to go. You want you want to talk about awkward though. Uh I went to go I saw that movie Shorts. Right? That that Robert Rodriguez like anthology film. I uh, know I, it. <laughs> I, I I well for the people out there who don't. Um I saw that in theaters alone. And I was like the creepy single guy sitting in the back row, like literally all the way in the corner. And the, that particular theater had been rented out, or at least a couple of rows of seats had been rented out for a birthday party. And they made everybody in the theater sing happy birthday to this kid. And I looked creepy as shit. Mm. It's <laughs> what, it's probably the most uncomfortable I'd ever been in my life. <laughs> When you get those side eyes from parents, yeah, that's yeah, not, yeah, it's not exactly. a situation you want to be in at no, all. No, and like I just needed to kill a couple of hours. It was the only movie in the theater. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go see that. It, this looks okay. And I liked it. It was an okay movie, but good golly. <laughs> just like 
you know, like, ha- I mean, like the guy called me out too. He goes, you, sir, alone in the back. <laughs> wish, wish young Bobby here. Happy birthday. I'm like, happy birthday. Happy you know? birthday, Bobby. How old are you? Yeah, exactly. Maybe we can meet up later. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Well, I have Mo, video games. Yeah. Well, Mo, I want to now talk about what we're going to watch on the next episode of yeah, No Nightmares. Now, uh, some listeners probably will already be aware of who Neil Breen is. The more uh, savvy ones, I would imagine, yeah. More savvy, and maybe you probably don't have to be so savvy now because his uh, kind of profile has increased significantly over the right. past, uh, well, certainly year, six months or so. I actually... Well, I like what he's doing, so... I like what he's doing, too. I actually emailed him... Uh, a little over a year ago to try to set up an interview, which uh, he was actually really nice about it and asked me about some uh, low-budget distribution options, and I sent him everything I knew, which was almost nothing. (laughs) (laughs) About, uh, I guess it was distribution for the movie that ended up being Fateful Findings, which is uh, the movie that recently came out and and is getting a lot of publicity as... uh, It's sort of Room-like for people who like the film The Room. It, 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 It has that kind of tonal quality to it but uh, Neil Breen he's a former architect and and uh, real estate agent and he makes movies starring himself Mm -hmm. and they march to the beat of their own drummer they're interesting they're interesting and in some ways very bizarre right Uh, and we are going to cover one of them right which one are we going to cover Mo we are going to cover his like I think it's like a cyber Jesus like (laughs) time travel, whatever. Uh, It's called I Am Here dot 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 now. I Am Here Now from 2009, directed and written by Neil Breen and starring Neil Breen as The Being. Yep. Uh, is what we will be covering. Uh, You know, we've uh, spent the last few episodes, uh, not counting our uh, Michael Fitzgerald episode, we we, uh, spent a few episodes uh, kind of delving into... A no budget classic. So this is bringing things up almost to modern day, 2009, uh, and uh, it's going to be a, an interesting examination. Yep, yep, yep. Science fiction, Mo. That sounds interesting. <laughs> you need to post the uh, the trailer for I Am Here Now. Oh, we're um, going to be posting all. Well, of the I, I, yeah, I, I know we are, but I mean, but there's this really great moment in the trailer where where it just says HFS. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. You know, yes. Because I had heard about this one a while ago, and I and I had been kind of like saving it for uh, a rainy day, so to speak. <laughs> and, uh, and and when you had mentioned about wanting, because I, I, well, you had mentioned about wanting to cover one of his films, and I said, well, we should totally do this uh, zombie alien cyborg Jesus thing, you know. Done. I'm like, yeah, we're doing that. That's a lock. <laughs> I like how this is 2014. So, in terms of things that you have on hand for a rainy day, the list starts to grow and grow and grow. Yeah. Where it's like, well, I don't think there's going to be this many rainy days for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now it's now it's sort of turned into like now I have a, a list of things for the rainy days. I have a list of things for sunny days, <laughs> slightly overcast days. Yeah. Uh, Mo, for people who want to keep up on our upcoming picks, and Suckers. we mentioned posting the trailers and things, what's the best way for them to find us on the internet? Well, I think the best way uh. they can go on to facebook.com slash groups slash no budget nightmares yes. and join in the conversation. Get involved. Yep. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's talking. Everyone's chatting. 
uh, you know, you get you get to interact with uh, some uh, famous faces. <laughs> <laughs> With some with some faces that have been covered on the show and well yes yeah. that's what I meant <laughs> and, yeah and us and us the most famous faces of all and you know and and Rue's on there and Rue is Rue Mo this is the t- uh, before you talk about where else people can find us we we don't spend enough time talking about how amazing Rue is and how his songs basically are better than the show uh, <laughs> and and uh, they I, they managed to sum up the films that we cover in the three and a half to four minutes that, that he, that he does them uh, like significantly better than the generally two hours. Thank goodness. This one is running short um, <laughs> that, that we generally take. Uh, when I was playing his most recent song, the one for the abomination, which is going it's to be so good. It's so good. I was playing it for my wife and Jill said, you guys are so lucky to have him. And I'm like, right. yeah, I know. She's like, this song is so much better than your show, and I'm like, I know, and then yeah, she wouldn't exactly. shut up about I, it. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, I can't, <laughs> I can't argue with that. It's, it's without a doubt. You know, like I was, uh, I, I was when, when I got it, I hadn't even watched the movie yet, and, uh, and I was, and I was listening to it, and I'm like, oh my god, I can already tell this is gonna be so much better than the, <laughs> that this is already so much better than the movie is going to be. <laughs> That's. The- it's funny because it could go the other way, which would be like, maybe this movie is something special. Listen to this song. Right, and then you watch right. the movie, and it's like, this movie in- inspired that song? <laughs> right. And, and isn't he going to be doing a song for Hip Hop Locos, too? Oh, he did promise me that he was going to do a Hip Hop Locos song. Yeah. Because we had a little be... poll. Again, if you want to be involved, you got to be over in that Facebook group. Yeah. The Hip Hop Locos song. I Yeah, I, got, I have to record some, like, hype man nonsense and send it over to him <laughs> oh inspired okay mo where else can people find us and uh and find him <laughs> on the internet <laughs> well uh the easiest way is we're all on twitter uh we all are twits um i am at drunk on vhs uh rue is at potteroo that's p-o-t-o-r-o-o and you are at doug underscore tilly that is T-I-L-L-E-Y. Very good. For a little while, I was Chris Gaines, but I decided better. <laughs> I, uh, some people when might you have... did that switch to Chris Gaines? I, I did it because I, I have a semi-obsession with uh, Garth Brooks switched to Chris Gaines in the late 90s. I uh, own the Chris Gaines album, so oh, yeah, I oh, get yeah. it. Yeah. I'm glad you have the same sort of respect for Mr. Brooks as yeah, I do. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, and I was thinking about the fact that Garth Brooks appeared on Jay Leno's final Tonight Show and how perfectly bland and awful that is and how yeah. perfect that is. And then I was really thinking about Chris Gaines and I was like, can you imagine being at like the top performer in your genre in the yeah. entire world and being like, you know what I really should do? <laughs> Grow a soul patch and fuck up my entire career. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like The best part is that it's not even like he just did that to his hair. Like He was just wearing a wig. Yeah. You know, and it's brilliant. Because you can swap back and forth, right? Right, exactly. So, I mean, because like, he, he was Hannah Montana before Hannah Montana was a thing. And he, uh, he it's, I like the idea. It's like, he's like Superman, but instead of taking off glasses, he attaches a soul patch. Yeah, he attaches, he affixes a soul patch and puts on a wig. Uh, and then he was going to make a movie, but because everyone thought he was 
fucking out of his mind for he doing was this. fucking out of his mind <laughs> then then he never even got to make his movie and then he spent like five years after everyone had decided that this was a huge failure still talking about how he was going to make this movie i like the idea that i like even now he's like well when that movie comes out everyone's going to be turned around <laughs> on old chris Gaines. uh oh man when that chris Gaines movie comes out oh man and so i turned my entire twitter account talking uh, about thunder road to be about no you wouldn't be able to refer to that other guy's songs <laughs> oh yeah right i'm sorry uh, I, I, the problem is i can't name a chris Gaines song so uh well some of us are chris Gaines fans and can name all of his songs Ouch. i just won't right now uh-huh. uh so i changed my entire twitter account to be about chris Gaines, and i lost like a dozen followers <laughs> immediately <laughs> i guess they didn't enjoy <laughs> They thought that I was in for it for the long haul, which there was a part of me that thought it would be hilarious for like six months to yeah. be a Chris Gaines account, but it only lasted a few days. Thank uh, goodness. So that's the kind of enjoyment. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you might find. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think, is that everything? Did we talk about everything that could be talked about? We talked about everything that could be talked about. Holy I mean, do we, have a, do we have an email yet? Uh, I think we already had an email. Actually, on our no, I mean, web- we had an email, but didn't you didn't you want to set up an email for like the new the new site? Well, uh, there's a yes, absolutely. Though it, I don't think I have an info at No Budget Podcast yet. But we forgot to mention that you can go and check out our entire archive of episodes. Yeah, we've kind of forgotten to mention that for the last like six episodes. So. <laughs> well, you can find all of our entire archive, and you can uh, sign up on iTunes, and you can donate, and you can Please. check out all our links to all of our social networks over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. Yeah, uh, if you and- like the show. Go click on that donate button because we're getting up to the point now where we need to renew, you know, we, we need to renew our, our... I actually got the email today giving saying that there's one month till the renewal is yeah, due. See? So, so we got so, one month, people. Uh, and if you do want to contact us, if only to complain about the fact that we keep asking you to donate, <laughs> uh, there is a contact us button over on the uh, on the website that will go to both Mo and myself. But yeah, we'll set up an email. Something yeah, specific. It, it goes it goes to kiss my ass at fuck you dot <laughs> unless it's something nice. And in, in uh, which case, it goes to kiss my ass at I love you dot com. If it's nice, we we'll send it right over to Michael Fitzgerald's uh, email account. <laughs> Uh, Michael did give us some nice feedback about his appearance on the show. Or he gave us films. a running commentary while he, he gave was us basically to the a show. running commentary of the show, which we somewhat paid attention to. No, I paid attention to it, but the problem is I didn't get I, I like I didn't understand what he was talking about because I don't have like the 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 minute marks in my head, so I have no <laughs> idea what were what we were saying well, that he was responding to. But I'm like, all right, well, he seems to be enjoying it, and thank goodness though that his. Uh, I believe it was his wife came on and, uh, and and talked about how much he enjoyed listening to the podcast because otherwise I wouldn't have known because some of the stuff he was saying made it sound like he was really angry with us. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness he was okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did he ever mention why that there's that part in the movie where the guy switches a big knife out with what's supposed to be a stunt knife that looks entirely different? No. No, well, he doesn't. Well, Michael, looks like you should address that at some point on Twitter. Just let us know. Yeah, just just at mention only me on that one. And, <laughs> uh. so, <laughs> so that's uh, this this is episode forty four of the No is Budget. Really? Yeah, it is. I uh, stopped counting a long time ago. So I'm, I'm on the No Budget Podcast website, so I got a oh, number. Well, there you go. <laughs> so go on, sign up on iTunes. You can listen to us on Stitcher. Listen to us wherever you want to listen to us on the go, at the gym, wherever you want to be, will be. 
All right, let's wrap this thing up because we're right. because we are approaching that two hour mark. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we don't ever really do a, a full introduction to Rue's song, but uh, for anyone who's still listening, you better hold on to your ear socks because uh, there's something great coming. Yep. Your yep. eyes are gonna, your eyes are going to be pissing soon. Yeah, pissing delicious rains of audio goodness. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, so so enjoy your golden shower of brew. Uh, I guess that's all I have to say about it. Yep. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. sit quite right All right, I'll listen for one more night Someone I love is hurting deep inside Mother, my mother, I will sit beside I want to be helpful, but she's trapped by faith No, she just won't face Her fate with grace Please come here, sit dear I have something to share with you and it won't take long Just one song and you will know what I'm going through My abomination, the the desolation it needs for you It feeds on you It came from inside me and tries to divide me But I know we are as one Still I feel that I'm broken My story's unspoken But maybe it's me who's come undone Fate, I believe you, but Wait, deep down in my gut I need for you to sit just right Then you'll feed, you'll feed Your sweet appetite Come here Sit, dear, I have something to share with you And it won't take long, just one song And you will know what I'm going through Abomination, the, the desolation it needs for you It feeds on 
you